Well, let's get out our Bibles, and we're going to start in uh, the book of Genesis, actually, chapter 2. You know, when God created all life on this planet, and we do believe that he did, he made humans unique in so many ways. We're different from the animal kingdom. Remember, from day to day, he was creating different aspects of this earthly existence, and he brought the plants into uh, existence, he brought the animals into existence, and it was only when he created man and woman subsequently that's when God said, not only is what I created good, this is very good. The first man and the first woman. And uh, we are different from the animal kingdom in so many ways. Sometimes if you own a dog or a cat, you think animals are pretty sharp and they understand and you understand them pretty much although we have a cat and there's no way, there's no understanding of, of felines. Uh, he runs the house and he rules the house. So, uh, but when it comes to animals, they, no matter how human they may seem, they react by instinct. God built in them instinct, a natural way of acting and reacting to things. However, humans are different. Since we're made in God's image, he gave us something. Well, there are many things that he has that he's given us and built into us. But one of the things is a free will. A free will. The ability to make decisions for oneself. Now, God has a free will. Now, the thing about God is he always decides to do what is right <laughs> and righteous. He never sins, but he still has a free will. He has the ability to do the wrong thing if he so chose, but he never chooses to do that. That's the difference between God and us. But he has given us a free will, a free will that he respects very much, and he doesn't take that away from us. He gave us the ability to either accept him or to reject him. Imagine that. Did you ever think about that? God purposely made us that way. And throughout history, there have been people who have accepted God, and there have been people who have rejected God. And the Bible even talks about into the future when Jesus returns and there's coming a time of final judgment, that even to that point, there will be people who accept God and people who will reject God. And the people who reject him are the ones who seem to be those who will end up in what the Bible calls hell. And God will pretty much fulfill their wishes. He doesn't force himself on anybody. Now, we're a part of the group that has chosen to accept God. And that's very good. We've sought after him. He found us uh, like uh, the shepherd finding the lost lamb. And we've come into a relationship with him. We've chosen Jesus to be our savior because we realized that we need a savior. But, you know, when it comes to salvation, why doesn't God just save everybody? Do you ever wonder about that? Wouldn't that be easier? Wouldn't that be simpler for him just to save everybody? Now, it is his desire to save everyone. But you see, we have that free will. 
And God has allowed us to maintain that freedom of either, either, either choosing him or rejecting him. You know, that kind of makes God vulnerable. Imagine a God, creator God, all-powerful and sovereign, who makes himself vulnerable in that way that people can reject him. And being rejected is a terrible feeling, isn't it? You know, a lot of us here have years ago dated, you know, looking for somebody from the opposite sex to maybe marry someday. I know in dating my wife, as our relationship grew deeper and deeper, there was always that risk, you know, that uh, someday she'd get tired of me or she was afraid I'd get tired of her. And instead of that relationship continuing on and growing, there'd be a sense of rejection there. That's, that's very fearful and that's very difficult for a person to deal with when that happens. But God has put the, himself in that place with us. We are able to accept him and worship him as God or we're able to walk away from him. He allows that, that freedom of choice. Now, that has happened several times in the Bible story, and I'd like to look at a few examples of that. Here in Genesis chapter 2, and let's ask God's help, Lord, as we study your word now, we know that there are lessons for us to learn. We see what has happened in history, and we apply it to ourselves today, so help us to do that. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to take in the deep and profound meaning of these scriptures. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 2, shortly after God had created all the things on this earth and created the first humans and put uh, the spirit of man in them and making them different from the rest of creation, giving them that special freedom of making their own choices. Genesis 2 verse 15 the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So here, Adam had a special relationship with God. Imagine walking and talking together with God in the Garden of Eden. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Pick up the story in chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. Now at this time, not only was there Adam and Eve, but there was also the serpent, the Satan. Satan, the devil, was available and present there. And it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did not say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So in a subtle way, Satan tempts Adam and Eve he changes words around in the argument here. Satan's goal is to get Adam and Eve, the first humans, to disobey God, to reject him, not to accept him as the source of all good knowledge, 
but to reject them and to get to the point where they can know just as well as God knows what is right and wrong. And that's the attitude in our society today. People, for the most part, don't want to look to God for how to live. They want to decide for themselves. They want to be the source of wisdom and knowledge. So our society has been troubled with this same temptation down throughout history. And it says, of course, in verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So because of sin, shame sets in which had never existed before, but now because they rebelled against God, disobeyed him, they feel shameful. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, which they had never done before. That's the effect of sin. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So passing the blame, as we normally do, <laughs> we all tend to do that. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this. So you see, decisions have been made. They all had free will. Even Satan has, has had free will. And he chose long, long ago to rebel against God and ultimately to be cast down from his heavenly position. Now he has tempted the man and the woman to make the wrong decision as well. We all have to make decisions for ourselves, but this whole episode is filled with wrong decisions, unfortunate decisions, and there is a penalty to be paid. So God goes on to explain uh, what the penalty uh, entailed. So he goes on to say here, verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between you, your offspring and hers. He, the offspring, many, many generations later, who would be Jesus Christ, he says to the serpent, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So the striking of the heel refers to the crucifixion that Satan will organize and carry out behind the scenes. But then through that death on the cross, Jesus will ultimately crush Satan's head. He will render him powerless because now this human race who will sin has the ability to have those sins forgiven or will have the ability when Jesus, the Son of God, is crucified. And to the woman, there's a curse for her. He said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So not a loving relationship, but mostly men going overboard and dominating women. 
And to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, and so on and so forth. And we're still suffering the effects of that curse to this day today. Whenever I go out and try to work on my lawn, <laughs> it's not the, the beautiful Garden of Eden lawn that I always picture. It's uh, far worse than that. So we have a free will. Starting with Adam and Eve, they had a free will. And they chose poorly. And they ended up suffering the consequences. They were in a position where they could walk through a beautiful garden alongside God. We can't even imagine what that would be like. But they had the opportunity to do that and they gave it away by making the wrong decision. Instead of relying on God to determine what's right and wrong and teach them, they wanted for themselves that opportunity and that authority. And because they made that decision, the whole thing fell apart. They got booted out of the Garden of Eden and uh, the relationship with God was never the same again. So there's an example of using your free will the wrong way. But nevertheless, God didn't take their free will away. And when we sin, he doesn't take our free will away. Another example, of course, is in Deuteronomy chapter 28. God never forces anything on anybody. He gives them the choice. This is when uh, Israel came out of Egypt, out of slavery. God brought them out in the Exodus gave them the law, and he gave them a choice. Deuteronomy 28, he makes this agreement here. He says, if you fully obey the Lord your God, carefully follow all his commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now notice his covenant, the old covenant with Israel, had nothing to do with salvation. It had to do with physical blessings. That's the type of covenant it was. Obey the law and you'll receive these blessings from God. He says, verse 2, All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. But if you don't obey all the laws that God gives you at this time. Verse 15, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You'll be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And on and on it goes. Israel was given a choice. God's not forcing himself on them. He's saying this is the way it's going to be. You decide. And unfortunately, we know that Israel decided poorly. When you look through their history, there were times where they seemed to be with it and obeying God and God blessing them. But a lot of times when they weren't obeying. Don't forget. They, they got invaded and taken away captive. The northern uh, nation of Israel was taken captive by the Assyrians. 
The southern uh, land of Judah was destroyed, conquered, and taken captive by the Babylonians. We know what happened later when it came to the Romans invading Jerusalem and destroying Jerusalem and the temple 70 AD. Their whole history is a list of how they came up short. They turned from God, they worshiped pagan gods, and the curses came. Notice in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. God says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. You know, God isn't a God who says, I don't care what you do. Take it or leave it. You know, he says, choose life. He would prefer that they choose life. That's always been God's desire, and it's his desire today for people. Choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God hasn't changed. Just as he desired the best for Israel, even though they rejected him time after time and they suffered the consequences, he wanted what was best for them. But they had to choose. And if they failed, they had to live with the consequences. You know what? It's the same thing today. God desires a loving relationship with us, each and every one of us, the whole human race. In fact, there's a scripture, let's turn to the New Testament, 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. God hasn't changed. And this is what he says to us today. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. Timothy, or Paul rather, is talking about God. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Verse 4, who wants all men and women to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, the results are different. Back in Old Testament times, God was going to bless them with good weather, good crops, rain in due season, all of these physical things. Now, we're talking about salvation. Now, through Jesus Christ, God has made eternal salvation available to us. But we still have a choice. Each and every one of us must choose. But God wants everybody to choose correctly. Choose the way that is going to bring not only physical blessings on earth, but more importantly, eternal life with him in his kingdom. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. Now, what does this choice today involve? Well, God doesn't list a whole bunch of commandments, statutes, and judgments for us. He did for Old Testament Israel. Now, this relationship is going to be different because, I won't say the prize, but the results are far different and more eternal. We're talking about salvation here. So Jesus says this, he wants us to come to him, just as he wanted Old Testament Israel to come to him. But Jesus says in Matthew 11 and verse 28, come to me, choose me, <laughs> seek me and you're gonna find me. 
and I'm going to provide exactly what you need. So come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So as we live in this world, in this end time now, that is fragmenting and falling apart and going crazy and people calling good things bad and bad things good, Jesus is the one who is going to solve all this. But in our individual lives, we've got to come to him personally and from the heart, in a heart-to-heart -heart relationship, and he is going to provide for us exactly what we need. And I know for us, he has. He has given us peace in this crazy world. He has given us uh, spiritual health in a, in a world that is very spiritually sick. And he is providing for us a rest. We don't have to go crazy like the rest of the world or be panicked or be troubled or be depressed or discouraged all the time. In spite of what's going on in this world, he is giving us rest. So we have confidence in him, we have faith in him, we know the things he has promised us, and he know he, we know he will fulfill his promises. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's not going to force his yoke on us, it's something that we put on, we decide. Yeah, I'm a sinner and I need a savior, so I choose Jesus to be my savior. And then he enters into your life, sends you the Holy Spirit, begins a relationship with you, a loving relationship with you, just as he did with Adam and Eve. But it's our decision not to walk away, not to reject that relationship. God is vulnerable in this spot, but we're going to trust him. We're going to believe him. We're going to walk with him the rest of our lives. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, just as he was with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But they chose to reject him because they thought they found something better. But then that all blew up in their faces. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But we must decide. God will not force himself upon us. We must seek him, enter into a relationship with him, a relationship that will last for all eternity. The choice is ours. Amen. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 22. This is a call that God has sent out to the human race ever since the beginning. I'm here, he says. Come to me. Choose me. Enter into a relationship with me. And uh, it's a relationship that's going to last for all eternity. That's what God's desire is for each and every one of us. Now, we sometimes have rough roads in our relationship with God. Maybe there are times where we feel close to him. There are times where we kind of stray a little bit, get ourselves into trouble with the hope that we hurry back to him and stay with him and determine we want to be here forever with him. But you see Christians kind of weaving in and out of relationship throughout their lives. But don't forget what God says here in some of the last words of the Bible, in the end of the, of the last chapter of the book of Revelation, Verse 17, final thoughts. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Bride, don't forget that's going to be Jesus Christ himself, who's going to 
uh, or that's going to be the church as Jesus marries the church. Jesus is the bridegroom. The church is the bride. The church and the bride say, come and let him who hears come to Jesus. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. It's a decision. We have a free will. And we all have to make a decision and do our best to live up to it. You know, this whole life, this whole existence is relationships. It started with God, who we know. Jesus revealed God as a triune relationship, one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who existed together for all time with no beginning. Our minds can't begin to understand that, but that's what he reveals. They've always existed in a perfect relationship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They have joy, they have unity, they have peace, so on and so forth. And God's purpose is to draw these humans that he created into that relationship. We sense a little bit of it here as we gather together in unity, the unity of the Spirit. But God wants us to be in that relationship with him and to enjoy him forever. That's his desire for us. He wants all people to be saved. But the only ones who can keep us out of God's kingdom would be ourselves. And the Bible seems to say that there will be people who will choose not to follow God, not to seek him, not to want his blessings for all eternity. But for whatever their reasons are, and the way I look at it, it has got to be a touch of insanity to make this decision, not to have anything to do with God, not to have all of your sins forgiven, not to have eternal life. And God will grant them their wishes. He's not going to force it on them, but unfortunately, that's the way it's going to be. Adam and Eve decided that they were not going to stay in relationship with God in the garden. Israel decided that they were not pleased to have God as their king and as their leader, uh, and they turned from him. We decide whether we want salvation and eternal life with God or not. And God is pleased. (laughs) See, we say, thy will be done to God. And those who continue to rebel against him and choose not to follow him and have Jesus as their savior, God will say the same thing to them. Your will be done. So I know that we have accepted that relationship. We're very pleased to be in relationship with God, a relationship that's going to last for all eternity. We have learned by now that God only wants what's best for us In the long run, it may not be the best thing that we can think for ourselves, but God sees the big picture, and he knows why we go through trials, and he knows why we have disappointments in this life. It's mostly because of people, uh, but God is not like that. Even though we go through trials, he's working out what is absolutely the best for us in our life. So the choice is yours, and it is a choice. It's a, a, a very precious freedom that we have. God doesn't treat us like we're uh, robots and force us to do this and press the right buttons and we do that. It all happens here and it happens here. 
We have to have a heart for God. He has a heart for us, and he's already proven that. What more can he do for us? He has given us his son. He has given us his son, the most precious thing that he, he can give. And what is our reaction going to be, and how are we going to look, look at that? God has left himself in a vulnerable position. Let's not let him down. And I know that we should feel that way for all eternity. He certainly feels that way for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for making us in your image. And that, of course, includes the free will that you've given us. You have a free will, and you always choose what is right. We have a free will, and eh, we're kind of iffy sometimes. We want to choose what's right. We want to please you, Lord. And uh, we want to be in relationship with you, just not only now, but forever. We want to walk in beautiful gardens with you and talk to you on a regular basis and learn from you. We have so much to be thankful for, Lord. So we give you thanks now for this wonderful choice you've given us. Help us to choose wisely in everything. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.